Hi, welcome to TTG, Two Trans Girls. I am Eleanor. And I am Monique. And uh, today we are gonna have, have a different topic than last time. I will sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, we're, today our topic is uh, tabletop role-playing games. It's a very uh, popular thing to talk about, but it's also something we like to talk about because we're both huge nerds. This is true. Um, just up top, again, as a uh, general spoiler warning, just for different like shows that we liked when we were younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we are going to eventually touch on those, more than likely. Probably. Um, so just, if there's any shows that you're watching, cool. I keep at it, because they're generally really good. Yeah. Uh, so, Monique, what what kind of what kind of TTGs do you have uh, experience with? Well, I know TTG, our podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's a TTG I have experience with. But, um, thank you, <laughs> thank you, um. But anyway, um, the only one I really have experience with is Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I mean, unless we're, unless we're like broadening the definition of of tabletop, because then I guess one could argue, um, I don't know, Monopoly. God, Sorry. how did I know you were gonna say Monopoly? Um. <laughs> Great. I mean, I haven't played Monopoly that much, but also, I specifically said tabletop RPGs though. Does Monopoly count as an RPG? Not, I mean, well, if you want to role play as a capitalist, I guess. So you're role playing <laughs> as lawful evil. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> everyone's just lawful evil. Um, but anyway, uh, one could argue that Candyland is a tabletop RPG. In what way? I would like to know. Because you roleplay. Not really. I you forget that I said that. That was just grasping at straws. But I, I no I mean, I would love to play a Candyland roleplaying game. I think that Dropout actually has a, a season that's like that. Alright, so the thing is, we're going to play. Are we going no, we're going to create a Candyland RPG if we can get to 1,000 listeners. How about that? Yeah? Yeah? On this episode specifically. On, on this episode specifically. This is the episode we'll be checking the analytics for. And we'll create it and we'll do a one-shot uh, we'll do a one-shot for a podcast. I, I'll be the DM. It'll probably because I said it'll, it'll probably be in D and D fifth edition because that's a uh, fairly uh, simple, uh, fairly simple mechanics wise, and Monique already knows how it works. Hey. <laughs> Otherwise, um, I'm just gonna bullshit something, and she'll go through it with absolutely no. Oh yeah, we could do it like Alice in Wonderland style. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, now I really want us to get to a thousand listeners on this because 
That sounds really fun. I mean, even if we don't get 2,000 listeners on this, we can still do that. I mean, we could still do this, but if we just do it anyway, then they don't have the incentive of, of spreading Oh, no, good... we, won't, we won't record it. Okay. <laughs> we, we, I was going to say, they, don't have, they now don't have like the incentive of spreading the good word of TTG. The, the good word. The, the good, good word. The good lord. The good, the, the good ladies, actually. It's true. I, I know, but when you hear the good word, all I can think of is Jesus. We are not The Jesus. crystal gems. We are the crystal gems. Ah! Anyways. Anyway, uh, continue, continue. So, Steven Universe is one of Monique's special interests. So, we talk about it a lot. <laughs> um, uh, brains. Um, oh yeah, so there's a lot of really fun tabletop RPGs. One of my favorites is actually not even a Dungeons & Dragons variant. It's called Fate Core. It's, it's, um, it's a skeletal system somewhat, except not really. Basically, um, it's where you take the, uh... (sighs) It's, um, instead of, so you know how d and is kind of a numbers game? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's fun, you're making, you're making stories and stuff, but at its core, it's a numbers game. You add and subtract things, and hmm. you hit things till they die, you know? Yeah. Um, but in Fate Core, it's more a narrative game, to where it's just sort of, um... Whatever makes more sense for the narrative, that's what happens. So it's a lot more fluid, and you can do some more interesting stuff. And uh, it's a lot less rules-heavy, so you can sort of have a little bit more fun with it. My friend Abby really loves loves the Fate Core system, because she's a writer. I was thinking of this one. Okay, so it's like a future-y one. And... And so I started looking stuff up for it, and it's really cool. But, okay, can I talk about some settings that I freaking love? Yeah, of course. For D&D. There's a few settings specifically for D&D that I love. And uh, one of them is uh, you're, like, regular-sized animals. Just sort of in, in the big world. I think that's cute. Another one I like is... Um, sort of post-post-apocalypse. If you've ever seen a Ghibli movie, uh, yeah, that. Um, so, a lot of Ghibli movies take place in a somewhat post-post-apocalypse. So, what we have is, we have the apocalypse, right? Okay. Which is when the world is ending. Post-apocalypse is, uh, society- aftermath. Society is crumbled. Post post apocalypse is, is when they rebuild. Yeah, so okay. you got it. You yeah. got it. So most Ghibli. I was just I was just saying that because I didn't know that Ghibli was like that. No, like th- three quarters of Ghibli's movies take place in post post apocalypses, mm. and it's usually humans were mistreating the earth, so the earth decided to get rid of us, but we survived, and now humans live in harmony with the earth. Anyway, oh, another one I like. It's actually kind of the the setting of one of my favorite books, uh, is, uh, 
shanty towns, like water-based like stilt towns. Those are so cool to me, just as settings for anything. Uh, and I and I love them. Uh, I like. Um, I don't know. There's just something really interesting to me about that, especially when there's sort of plants growing up on it. And um, one of my favorite uh, settings I ever built for a game, which I never got to play, which kind of made me sad, was one of those. And it was sort of a a, a merchant town on the the edge of a. It was like a marsh that came up on the edge of an ocean. And there was an incredibly valuable mineral there, so there was this huge boom town that had been built up. Like, standard fantasy settings aren't incredibly interesting to me. And I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's because, um... It just sort of, like, it's, it's played out a lot, you know? And uh, a lot of the stuff that can happen has happened. And, well, yes, there are, like, many different options that are yet to be explored it just over time it just gets kind of boring and you just want something like fresh and new and yeah, yeah. no that's fair um oh you know what huh so these two games you'd think are very different they're yeah. exactly the same okay the witcher 3 the wild hunt okay uh these are video games but this will make sense in a second the witcher 3 the wild hunt and Assassin's no, Creed Origins. I have played that. They're very similar. Huh. They both have you collecting new weapons and armor sets. Okay. They both have you trekking across a huge map and talking to NPCs to go on like weird, detailed, story-rich quests. Here's the thing, and I'm going to get shit for this. Okay. I don't like The Witcher 3. I haven't played The Witcher 3. I haven't played any Witcher games. It's it's okay. But I have seen The Witcher on Netflix. And you know what? It's a great uh it's a great uh show. And because I saw it on Netflix, I thought, hey, I really want to play this well, game. I now. have this game. You can play it on my computer. I don't mind. Do you have all of them? Because I have I'm the type. Of person, I don't have all of the games. I have the third one, but I have the complete edition in the third one. I'm the type of person who likes to like if I find a game that I want to play, I have to play them in order, or else my brain will implode. Well, the thing that maybe I'd like it if I play them in order, but the thing is, okay, so I've had I had a couple problems with The Witcher. Okay, the one of the problems she's throwing shade right now. <laughs> one of the problems I had with The Witcher. Okay. okay is that um, the world is incredibly just sad. It's just a sad, Jesus. depressing world that I don't like existing in. Because you already exist in one? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, no, but, like, everyone's mean, and, and, and everybody's got, like, double motives, and you're just thinking, you're like... I mean, I get that I'm, like, a cool fantasy detective yeah. with white hair and, like, a neat grungy voice. Like, that's chill. But also, my my main quest is that I'm, like, looking for my fantasy daughter. And, like, that's great. But they want you to go on all these side quests so that you're high enough level to go on the quest for the fantasy daughter. Yeah. But they place so much urgency on the fantasy daughter quest that I, 
I panicked every time I wanted to do a side quest okay. to level up because in my head, I know it's a game time and it doesn't actually matter how long I take, but in my head, I'm just sitting here thinking, but what if I take too long and she dies? I just want to add really quick uh, on the topic of video games. There was a game that did that and it made me very upset because you see, and this is going to be spoiler alerts for Fable 3. Oh, which, we do Fable 3 spoilers. Which, I mean, to be fair, a lot of people really didn't like Is Fable that 3. the one where you only have like a couple years to get your shit together before the end of the world comes? Essentially. So what happens is, I'm going to literally spoil the entire game because to give you context. Okay? Anybody who wants to play Fable 3 has already played it. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I still haven't played a lot of games that were made like 10 years ago that I probably want to play. Yeah, but it's fatal. Anywho, so, <clears throat> um, all right. So to start off, your brother is a dick. He's a giant <laughs> fucking dick. You are, um, the prince or princess and your uh, and your brother is, I, I guess, the crown prince, and he's just an asshole, and he's he's um, just completely being a dick to the entire kingdom. And so, you go on this quest to get and get allies and stuff, so that you can usurp the throne, right? Now, here's the kicker: when you do that you realize why he was being a dick because he had to prepare because the, uh, the, uh, the darkness was coming. Yeah. Uh, and now you have, have this responsibility. So you, you either have to continue being a dick to the people who you swore you would not be a dick to if they helped you overthrow your brother and it sort of causes this moral dilemma or <clears throat> you have to not be a dick but then watch countless people die because you don't have the funds to um, help them. Or, or you use time travel exploits to get all the money you need. That's what in I day did. One. I I felt so bad the first time, and I was like, "What? How? What? Because it said, "Here's the thing that confused me. It said you have this amount of days before the darkness comes." I thought it meant actual days, right? Yeah. No, it sped that shit up until finally it was like, you have one week or something before the darkness hit, or one day. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? I wasn't, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm not prepared for this at all. I only have like a thousand gold in my bank right now. So, um, I guess we're all fucked. Uh, <laughs> you can exploit the hell out of that system. Because I know. the I game gives you, it gives you money every every real day that you log in, right? From the properties you own. Yeah. So all you need to do is own one property, then like time travel your Xbox three hundred and sixty like ten years into the future. Oh yeah, that's and then time travel back, and you're fine, and you don't have to be a dick. Uh, that's not how RPGs are supposed to work. Yeah. But that is a good way to avoid panicking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, so, like, the sense of urgency is important in those sorts of settings, right? Yeah. Because, and, and that's that's a, a standard epic format. 
Yeah. Is you have people who go on an extraordinary quest and there's a times table. You have to do things within a certain amount of time. But you can't, if you're going to make it urgent, you can't put side quests in the way unless they're specifically roadblocks. Oh, or, or roadblocks. Or, yeah, related or... If you're going to put random-ass side quests in the way, then that's bad storytelling. Because, well, I don't have time for those. Yeah. The fucking world's at stake. You it's know? It's like if you're, if you're a DM, right? And you say, hey, so, you guys, the world's going to end in, like, a month, right? You gotta, you gotta stop it. And then one of those days, you just randomly put a fucking owlbear in the way. Like, <laughs> hey, look, here's an owlbear. Has nothing to do with the story or it's anything. Like that doesn't. But... Well, that's not interesting. That yeah. doesn't. That... I mean, granted, Grant, I would just want to say, it's it is in the realm of possibility that this Albert has nothing to do with whatever is making the world end, and that's and, and you know, it's a, a completely natural occurrence. But it doesn't make for interesting storytelling when you add that. Yeah, we're relating this back to the topic. I like it. No, but, okay, so my original reason that I went on the tangent about video games is okay. because this was the reason that I didn't like The Witcher 3, is because it was depressing as all hell, and uh, and and a lot of the side quests had nothing to do with the main quest, so I felt so guilty doing any side quests, because I gotta go find my daughter, yeah. you know? Um, but in Assassin's Creed Origins, right, um, the entire point of the game is that you're within a framework where you don't have to, like, rush to get anywhere because the things that happened are just going to happen in the correct order based on the way the animus works within the framework of the game. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't matter, right? And I appreciate that because that means that me, someone who panics over deadlines, can just be like, well, that looks like an interesting quest. I'll do that next. Yeah. You know? And it gives me, it makes me feel a lot more free to actually enjoy this world that they spent, that the developers spent so long building for me. And, and I, and I appreciate world building like that, where the, so it basically for an art, for this transfers over into tabletop RPGs, because if you're going to have a plot where the the uh, consequences of your actions are going to happen right now, then why are you dicking around? <laughs> yeah. But if you're going to have, like, stuff that's like, oh, we're going to have a subplot where they fuck off and own a tavern for two years, then don't make the end of the world, like, imminent. Yeah. Like, put it... The end of the world is happening 100 years from now. Yeah, that's fine. You know? <laughs> Might as well live the fuck up. Party, get drunk, you know. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's hedonism. Maybe it's hedonism. <laughs> um, so on the topic of world building, um, I, I made a list. You okay, made a list? I'm very professional like that. Not really. I'm, um, I'm not. <clears throat> I don't make lists. It's something so, that Monique actually doesn't like about me. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, well, I, I literally have to make lists. You know, if I don't make lists, I will forget things. They will be erased from my mind forever. And yeah. So. Oh, wait, no. They'll be erased from my mind until like 20 years later. Until 
on some random fucking day, I spontaneously remember something that has no relevance to the present whatsoever. But anyway. That is how ADHD works. Yeah. Um, so with world building, um, there is a few things that you want to keep in mind. One of those things is alignment, you know. Um, do you want there to be an alignment system, you know? I, I mean, uh, good, evil, neutral. Um, maybe evil doesn't exist. Maybe good doesn't exist. Maybe neutrality doesn't exist. Maybe no alignments exist. Um, well, I guess I kind of would be neutral. But anyway, um, because there are a lot of drawbacks with it, right? But also, I think it is. it can be kind of fun. You know, if you um, are this uh, sort of uh, brave warrior who fights for justice and goodness, but then what is good? And then you, and then you start thinking about it in a in a philosoph in a philosophical kind of way, <laughs> and which I do, right? Because I'm no. thinking about it like, okay, well. If I want my character, I want my character to be good, right? But also, what the fuck is good? You know, what is evil? I don't know. My brain hurts already thinking I find, about it. I find that most players in any uh, TTRPG setting, regardless of what their character's alignment is... Are just well, neutral. Well, no, I was just going to say, they'll end up... They'll end up making their characters just whatever alignment they are naturally. Yeah. Generally, because... If you see, if you are a person who values human life and your character is supposed to be a uh, scar-faced thorn bear, like captain of the hell brigade, and he's, he's walking into, he's walking into a town and he sees like a small child and he, what's it going to do? Crush it underfoot? No, because... You, as a person in real life, are like, well, I'm not going to hurt a kid. I would like to add, though, that just because a character is evil, it doesn't necessarily mean that every action that they're going to do is going to read as evil. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying that most people, even if their character is evil, will not necessarily act evil just because they're not evil. Yeah. That is a valid point too, though. But also, I think you can. I think you can kind of run with that because, let's say, we we play out that scenario, right? Okay. Um, they save the child. Yeah. Okay? Maybe they take the child under their wing. Maybe now that they're the this person's evil henchman, you know. I mean, you, you kind of have to play it as well. No, that wasn't a good thing I did. I was all part of my master plan that I'm just now thinking about. Okay, Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that... I, th I mean, I feel like with alignment, there's so many... There's so much nuance to it. Um, and, you know, if I'm doing... If I'm doing a campaign, um, I... While I still would probably allow the whole, you know, alignment system... There's definitely going to be some wiggle, like a lot of wiggle room, you know, because uh, alignment's weird, you know. It does and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. May I say that people who start roleplay podcasts 
with characters that they've been playing for like years. And they're like, let's start a roleplay podcast. We're going to keep our same characters and just jump into the story where we leave off. And nobody's going to know what's happening. But it's fine because people like, just just make new characters. Start a different story. Yeah. You like, people like to start stories where they begin. Exactly. (laughs) Or at least I do. I don't know about you, but if there's, like, a prestige drama television show, well, first of all, I probably wouldn't be watching it. Um, because that's the kind of person I am. I'm sorry. I don't like prestige dramas. I don't know what to say. Um, but... Hipster! No, it's... (sighs) Hipster. Anyway, continue. Um, but I don't want to jump in at, like, season five... We'll jump in at season one. Exactly. But like, no, but when you start a podcast after you've already been recording the same crew for a while, it's like jumping in at season five. Or a more accurate uh, description would be like starting Steven Universe future without having seen Steven Universe. That would be real confusing. (laughs) Yes, because he's like, wait, what are you talking about, Steven? Your life is fucking great. It's like, wait, oh, why is that's a lot of trauma to unpack. (sighs) What else is on your list? Oh, listful one. Villains. And it brings back to what you were saying earlier about your character and everything. Well, your your fictional scenario type thing. Um, Yeah. All right. So to make a good villain, at least I think you can't really make it too deep. You know, you gotta add some substance to it. And I mean, you can make a, a 2D type of villain. Sometimes 2D villains and are it, fun. And they work. And they're fun. But it just gets a little kind of like it does, dry. Yeah. You know, like, oh my god. Uh, Miss, Mr. Evil Eye is going to destroy the city unless we give him uh, a million gold or something. I don't fucking know. Um, but it's like, okay. Well, first of all, I just I I automatically added a motive, right? So a million gold. Why does he need the gold? Maybe someone he loves is about to die and he needs a million gold. Uh, maybe uh, he just hates people and wants to walk away with cash. Uh, I don't know. But the thing <laughs> is, is you just you can't just um, you can't just okay. you can't just uh, make a villain. Um, and, and say, this is what he does. There is no reason why he does this thing. He just does it. Well, let me rephrase it. You can, but again, very dry. And I don't like it. That's my preference. But you know what? If you like that and your players like that, that's all that really matters. Make those dry-ass villains. Now I <laughs> want now I want a villain whose only goal is to have a Scrooge McDuck-esque just like pit of gold to dive into. Oh, yeah. That would be kind of fun. That would be fine. No, that's That's the villain's only goal. Yeah. I want a Scrooge McDuck pit. I want a Scrooge McDuck pit. I wouldn't dive into it. That'd be suicide. That's capitalism. But it'd be cool to have, you know? I mean, yeah. And then you realize you could feed, like, so many people with this money. Oh, yeah, of course. Provide them water. No, here's the thing I'd swim in it exactly once before giving it all to charity. Are you sure? Yes. Would the temptation of money corrupt you? Hmm? 
<laughs> I don't have an answer. That's what, okay, so everyone always says, oh, well, if I got, if I hit the lottery, I would, uh, you know, use it for charity and stuff. And it's like, I say the same things too, I'm not gonna lie. But I just, we live in a capital society, and it's sort of been yeah. ingrained into our brains. So I just kind of think, you know, if you're in that position, you don't know what you're going to do with it. I mean, you might, uh, for instance, say, okay, well, after this million, the rest is going. But then you're like, wait, but I want this. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, I want this. And then before you know it, you only have like one dollar left. And you're like, well, I guess this dollar is going to charity. I can honestly say that the first thing I would do would be pay off all my outstanding loans. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that just makes sense. That's not... That's and and that's not because uh, I want to give back to people or anything. That's just because I'm in crippling debt. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, and yeah, that is that's understandable. Um, but anyway, back to the topic of villains. Um, my point is, if you want to make them two D, make them two D. But if you want a really interesting villain, try to make them three D. Um, Maybe the real villain is man. Ah, next thing on my list, landscapes and settings, right? Um, your setting is, is almost as important as the people that you have in it, right? Um, different settings for different people, right? But at some point you kind of have to like pander a little to like your players, right? Yeah. Um, you know, what do they like? What will pique their interest this this uh, this week? Um, Good rule of thumb. If none of your players are literature nerds, don't make the names of most of your characters more than three syllables. Yeah, exactly. Bilbo Beckins. <laughs> That's a two-syllable name. Bilbo. Bilbo. And it's easy to say. Boblin the Goblin. Well, like, okay, <laughs> but like, there are some freaking fantasy names that are like, Jilgrath the Defiler. Oh, yeah. And, like, I'm not going to remember that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, That's only three syllables, but you get what I mean. Oh, yeah. So, the thing is, it's like, I think that a good setting um, is also kind of like the villain thing. Like, adds, add a little bit of flavor to it. Like, oh, you enter the city and you see a large statue of a, a powerful looking woman and it's like who the fuck is the woman i don't know who this woman is add a little bit of flavor um give it color it's a it's a, it's a goddess right or it's a famous or it's a noble or it's a famous uh warrior from way back when or something like that you that, know like that, it's that doesn't mean like write a three-page bio on every single oh, yeah. person in the city yeah yeah but um, it, it does mean, like, pay more attention to little things because your players will ask about them. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you think your players aren't going to ask about something, you're dead fucking wrong. Yeah. Oh, Any... what is this? What does this rock do? I don't know. It's a fucking rock. Like. Oh, this is a specific example. Please tell the story because I genuinely want to know this story. Okay, so. All right, so the story about the the, the rock, right? Because yeah. that is the story that Ellie would like to hear right now, and I'm sure um, one of you 
some some of you I don't know I don't know how many people listen to this or even if anyone listens to this right now but anyway um so exactly one person listened and it was probably me oh <laughs> ouch <laughs> I'm right, just to so, make sure if it worked you know yeah so um in the in a campaign I was in we did rotating DMs for a little bit and I came up with this so one of the um for context one of the players was a warforged and his whole shtick was he doesn't really get emotions right um and so uh i thought maybe i could placebo affect him right and say you know what this the you you, you happen upon this this strange looking rock it's all colorful and junk right um and, you know, uh, so the, the thought is, oh, well, it's magic, of course. But here's the thing. I wasn't going to make the rock magic at all. They just sort of jumped to that conclusion because I pointed it out. Um, my real sort of plan was just like, uh, because they think this is rock is magic, I'm going to uh, say that it imparts... Um, emotions or the ability to read and uh emotions or whatever uh upon this uh warforged right and um i mean i never got to run with that because the campaign ended shortly after but you know what are you gonna do um so yeah that i mean that's pretty much the story with that um oh that's cool yeah i like that me too um but yeah i just really cute. The point is, players really are interested in, like, really mundane things that you wouldn't expect. Moss, rocks, knives. Anything could hide something. Anything. Um, Sometimes, uh, if I'm DMing, I will change my plans on the fly, because a player will notice something, and they'll figure something out really cool. And I'm like, well, that's a really cool idea for a story. Yeah. So, like, I'll... After that session, I'll be like, "Well, I'm gonna add some more significance to this because I think that's I think that's rad." Yeah. So another thing um, that I I do like to sort of like keep track of anyway is uh, character development, you know, um, and in something like Dungeons and Dragons. You may think, well, there's not really that much character development, you know? Like, they're probably going to be roughly the same as how they started. And, you know, that's a no. Because um, I, as you play and you get to really know your character, you sort of you sort of fucking change how you play them. Uh, at least I do. Um, and I've observed a lot of other people do that, too. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, they go but, through experiences and you go through experiences with them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, so maybe you have an evil character who doesn't really like the whole evil thing anymore. It's not really their dig. And so now it's like you, your character development is you joined a monastery or something like that. And you've discovered uh, the path to enlightenment and you've renounced all of your evil and darkness and yada, yada, yada. Uh, 
Um, Maybe you just went the Vegeta route, where you're you're about the same, but you're kind of a fun-loving dad now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you just... Or you sort of just kind of... Uh, or you're good to begin with, right? Or yeah. maybe you just sort of get darker as the time goes on. Like, maybe people have pushed you to the point to where you move past being good. Maybe now you're chaotic neutral, you know? Maybe now you don't really care who you hurt as long as you get shit done. Um, maybe you're a paladin who was once, uh, by the book, the thing you were forced to go over your line once, and you kept making little concessions until you didn't know who you were anymore. Yeah. Um... And then also, but when you see stuff like that happening, right, with your players, um, this is from, for DMs, don't just sort of pass it up. Use that as, like, momentum, like, as fuel or whatever for, like, the next session. Um, these are the consequences of your actions, right? And the thing is, consequences don't have to be bad, necessarily. Can, I mean, there can be good consequences. Um, you help this poor beggar on the street. Hey, turns out it wasn't actually a beggar. That was a gold dragon who now gives you one magic item. I mean, because you were so kind. So something I love to do is pull from folk tales. Yeah. And like half of all folk tales, the general plot was you helped out a random person. It turns out that person was a god. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, well, you helped me out, and I'm a god, so here's some sort of lavish present. And maybe it goes good, or maybe it goes bad. I don't know. Consequences has a negative feel to it. It definitely does. It, but the thing is, is that consequences is inherently neutral. Hmm. Like, it's just things that happen because of things. It's I, kind of the same, like, with, um, with attitude. If someone says you have an attitude, it's like, well, well, technically we all have an attitude. What's that line Spock says? I'm expressing multiple attitudes simultaneously, Sarah, to which you refer it. <laughs> which is a fucking boss line. But continue. Oh, no. Uh, so, so yeah, but like, it's just thing. like, for instance, I uh, had an idea for a drawing, so I drew a drawing. The consequence is that exists now. Whether yeah. it's good or bad is up for debate, but it exists now. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, like, and, and that's how things are sometimes. Sometimes you uh, use a grenade, or whatever, depends on your setting. You use a, a stick of dynamite, <laughs> right? Yeah. You waste a spell slot. Yeah. Like, early in the day. And then later in the day, you don't have that spell slot anymore. Oops. Like... Whoops. <laughs> maybe it's... Maybe you needed that spell slot way more this time. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, here's an idea I had as, like, a newbie player. I thought it would be really smart to use the grease spell and then light it with fire. Ooh. But, you know what? That never actually went down. I did use the grease spell, but I never got the chance to light it on fire. And I was sad because I wanted to make Aww. it go boom. All right, so yeah, you have NPCs that are just well, they're NPCs. They're 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 mutable, right? Yeah. Um. So you could, uh, well, you should. I I should say if you're a DM or whatever, um, 
make your NPCs like make them real you know don't just make them like background characters that don't matter like make them actual people you know have them work stalls and do jobs and make the world run you know um or just yeah yeah like, um make it feel like a place where real people have been yeah uh <laughs> maybe droppings because they're taking their horse to sell at the the marketplace or something um or you know just what i mean, I guess i guess that kind of goes in the setting but anyway yeah, that's not um unless a dropping is an npc I, in which case what kind of game are you running a very fucked up one. Or a very good one. Or a very good one. Depending <laughs> on who you ask. Depending um, on who you ask. But, yeah, I think you should make your NPCs uh, very um, very 3D. Sort of like villains, right? Um, they don't even have to be like, like I said I mean, much earlier, you don't need like a three page, but like maybe a short paragraph. Yeah. And you don't have to, like, overemphasize every NPC. Just, again, make them sort of real. Like, this guy's getting to work at his, 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 um, I don't know, the bank or something. If or you mention a person any time during your set dressing, if you mention a person, be prepared to tell your party what their name is and at least two things about them. Oh, yeah. More importantly than all these things of setup is be prepared to have to throw all of it away. Oh yeah. Don't because at the end of the day, while it's fun to build a world, you also have to realize that you are not telling your party a story. You are telling a story with them. Yeah. It's like it's like writing a story but you don't have control over the protagonists. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's really beautiful. That's a beautiful and amazing thing that you have the gift of being a part of. Yeah. So I think that, um, well, that wraps it up for what I had, uh, that about, you know, listed. Um, if there's anything else you want to add to that. I don't know. Do you want any final thoughts? Um, I guess final thoughts would be, um, I know we've we've sort of uh, have really only been discussing topics for like DMs and stuff. That's my bad because that's really the only thing that I was thinking of. I mean, that's fair. But um, you know, figure out what tabletops you like. Uh, you know, uh, explore options. Don't just do the one that's most popular. Find indie ones, even you know, and uh, support creators like that. And, um, you know, uh, or hell, even make up your own. Because that's the thing you can do. You know what I would like to say, Monique? I'm actually really happy that we had one thing that we talked about the whole time. Yeah. And I can tell you it's it's because it felt... it The conversation felt a lot more uh, stimulating because we were, we were relating everything back to one thing. And yeah. I appreciate that and... Uh, that's something that's hard for me, so I, I liked it. I appreciate you and your contributions. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. This has been TTG.
Bye. Bye.